Hello, I'm to Adventures in Words, where we explore storytelling in all its forms. I'm Rob. I'm Kate. And we have a slightly different episode this week, haven't we, Kate? We have. So, uh, it was originally going to be recorded last week, but actually uh, on Tuesday this week, I went to chat to Aisha Malik, uh, who is the author of two novels so far, uh, Sophia Khan is Not Obliged, and The Other Half of Happiness, which is, is sort of a follow-on to that first one. So, it also stars that same character, Sophia. Uh, I read them a little while ago, having heard lots and lots about them, really, really enjoyed them, uh, and I guess the the easiest way to describe them is that uh, when Aisha wrote them, she said that she had in mind uh, kind of a a Muslim Bridget Jones. Um, And we talk a bit about the characters, um, a little bit about what happens, although we don't talk that much about it because we don't want to give too much away, um, because it's kind of lots of like little funny situations. Um, and then obviously there's a sequel, so um, yeah, we didn't want to talk too much about things that happen in that in case it spoils anything from the first book. Uh, and yeah, we just we had a really nice chat actually. It was really good fun. Um, you can find links to click through to uh, buy yourself a copy of either book uh, in the show notes. Um, and just uh, out of interest is that uh, Aisha also worked with Nadia Hussain on Nadia's novel. Um, the secret lives of the Amir sisters. So yeah, it was really, really interesting chat. Did anything else happen these last few weeks? Uh, well, I've, I've done some. I've done some good reading. Um, I finished off um, the Rose and the Dagger, which is a, a sort of like Arabian fantasy type book uh, that's published by Hodder. That's second of two. Um, I'm just reading a, a headline like a tinder press book at the moment and called gather the daughters um which i know that um that's that's having a lot of promotion from headline but yeah i read um, see what you see what i've done i read a few things Uh, what did you think of see what i have done i really liked it i was surprised by how it was all contained within almost those two days i was expecting Mm. a bit more to I don't know. I was expecting it to expand out in the story, but actually, I thought it was really well done. It's very um, claustrophobic. Yes. I found I found it uh, quite an odd reading experience. Like it's really, really gripping, um, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's enjoyable because mm. it is very claustrophobic. Um, you're not sure at any point who is actually telling the truth um and it sort of only becomes clear right at the very end so mm. yeah really really interesting mm. your left hand though is looking a bit heavy is anything weighing it no oh a little bit it's yeah um, your, your left finger's looking a little bit shiny this, um this guy gave me a new ring oh he did didn't he yeah. Who was that? Uh, it was you. Oh, yeah, it was. Yes. Um, so what What we're alluding to in a bit of a roundabout way is that we got engaged. We did, yes. So, yeah. It was on Saturday at Kew Gardens, so it's another reason why this podcast is a little bit on the late side. Because we've obviously had a little bit of, um, you know, some important jobs to do in terms of chatting to people and, um, yeah, just generally being very excited. Um, Mm. So if you follow um, either of us on Twitter or Instagram or if you're friends on Facebook with us, you've probably seen something about that already. Uh, But there we are. Just some nice news. It is. So shall we uh, get on to your interview? 
Yes, yeah, so just before we do that, um, obviously if you want to get in touch with us in any ways, there are all the usual ways you can do that. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page, you can tweet us at Word Adventures. Uh, if you're feeling so inclined and you want to leave a review on iTunes, um, you can just do that within the normal app. Um, you can send us an email, contact at adventureswithwords.com uh, or if you're feeling like you would like to be featured in the podcast, you can um, go to our the front page of our website and you can actually leave us a voicemail message by clicking on the little, uh, is it called SpeakPipe? Yes. Yep. Clicking, yes. Click on the little button there and it will just record a message through your normal microphone, whether you're on your phone or whether you're on your computer. Uh, but yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Mm, I normally do that a bit, so... Yeah, I saved yeah, you the you trouble. Saved me the trouble. Uh, so I'll leave you now with the interview. If you want to follow me during the week, I'm at Rob Chilbert on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, <laughs> Litzy, uh, Letterboxd. And oh, yeah, I, I think that's that. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you want to follow me during the rest of the week um, on most of those things, um, the ones that I actually use, um, but including Letterbox, because we, that's the, if you don't know, Letterbox is uh, like a film tracking and reviewing app slash website, uh, like similar to Goodreads, but for films. Um, and so we've both. Um, You've you sort of reactivated your account, and I joined, and we're both um, just putting little reviews of the films that we watched because I think we might start to talk about films a little bit more um, in the podcast in the future. But yeah, so there we go. Um, follow us if you like during the week. Hope you enjoy the interview. It was it was really fun to record, and um, if you do, then take a look at the books. Hello everybody, uh, I just want to introduce you to Aisha Malik, who's very kindly being interviewed today for us. Uh, she is the author of Sphere Kind is Not Obliged, which was out at the beginning of last year, and The Other Half of Happiness, which was out just, I think, a week and a bit ago. And she also has done some co-writing with people as well, which we might talk a little bit about later, we'll see how the time goes. But we're really here today to think about her two Sophia Khan books, both of which I've read. I really, really enjoyed. I thought they were great fun. Um, so just in case people who are listening have not read them, um, I wondered if, first of all, you would mind telling us a little bit about Sophia Khan is Not Obliged. Sure. Um, thank you for having me today. Um, a little bit about my books. I guess the first book specifically was very much conceived in my head as a Muslim Bridget Jones. And I think that probably most aptly describes it mainly because it's diary formatted. You have a kind of a, a heroine who's um, navigating her way through the concrete jungle that is London. She works in publishing. Um, she's sworn off men in the beginning <laughs> of the book. And that takes a turn for the worse for a while when um, she's encouraged by her uh, boss to write a Muslim dating book. And so that's the, that's the premise of the first book. And the other half of happiness is the sequel which um, explores, I guess, the um, the other side of happiness um, and um, what happens after the so-called happy ever after. I, I did mention just earlier, I really, really enjoyed both books and I think there's obviously similar things about the two, but then uh, the other half of happiness is, it, I, I felt like it maybe 
sort of broadened out a little bit more, perhaps look a bit more political, which I thought was interesting. But I guess if we perhaps talk a bit more generally about Sophia first and a little bit about how you kind of came up with that idea. Uh, Sophia lives in South West London and I think I'm right in saying that her home patch is kind of based on the same kind of area that you live as well. Yes, yeah, that's just me being a really lazy writer and (laughs) writing what I know as opposed to having to do any kind of research. My research was minimal for the first book. Um, and that's that's the way I kind of liked it because I just wanted to I wanted to finish a book for once. Um, so yeah, Sophia Khan is um, she's kind of a combination of um, of lots of people I know, and these are namely Muslim women who are quite career driven, working in London, but are also very observant Muslims. Mm. Um, and I'd also like to, like to call Sophia my alter ego. Mm. You know she kind of says and does the things that perhaps I wouldn't say and do always, although not all the time. Um, and um, so, yeah, I wanted I wanted a heroine who kind of was representative, not of all Muslim women by any means, but at least representative of the women I know and um, the kind of friendship circles that I have and, um, and that kind of thing. So did you feel like it was important that they were grounded in reality? That they were, you know, drawn from people, you know, experiences that you may not had yourself, but yeah. that other people were having. Well, I feel that I feel with all the negative media attention that Muslims get, um, and with a lot of the books that I've read in which there are Muslim characters, I've never quite found hmm. characters who I've been able to completely relate to. They've always been quite sad tales of oppression honour killings, um, really quite issue-laden books. And I wanted to write something that was more reflective of mine and other people's experiences. And also to show that there is another side to Muslim life. It's not, it's not all honour killings and oppression. You know, shocking as yeah. that might seem. I know. So, um, yeah, for me, it was really about portraying at least the Muslim woman who's living in London. I, you know, I'm very careful about saying that I'm representing all Muslim women. I can barely represent myself. Um, so, but for me, uh, Sophia's experiences are much more relatable to me and my circle of friends and family than, than any other character that I've come across. I found them very relatable, actually, the way that she's got a very um, sort of supportive but also um, a family who take a very close interest in yes. uh, her life, you know, in a positive way, yeah. but also um, making sure that they think she's making the right decisions as well. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that um, having a sister who she really, really loves, but they often have quite different interests and, you know, Although they, you know, they always sort of come back together again, yeah. and you know all of those sort of aspects, you know, and down to the kind of area in London where she lives, I found really recognisable, mm. really relatable. Um, but then I, I also wondered, and like you, you sort of alluded to that a little bit, that the books are perhaps a little bit meta, that they're sort of talking about things that you have experienced, like working in publishing, and yeah. that those bits absolutely made me howl um, because I work in publishing as well um, 
and some of the some of the conversations that she has I was like cringing and also laughing and thinking about things that um yeah are quite funny so if you do want to read a book about publishing <laughs> this is this is a very good one sorry publishing though <laughs> I love you really but then it is quite a ridiculous industry in some ways I think people go to a lot of effort over very tiny things and maybe don't I, always think about wider things yeah I, it's yeah. it's actually an industry I'm very fond of <laughs> I have a very soft spot for publishing for obvious reasons yes of course you know but also having worked at Random House um, for a few years is I, I I absolutely loved it. I you know I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, but yes, no, there are certain aspects of the publishing industry which are slightly ridiculous and therefore perfect for a comedy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I particularly enjoyed the the part in um, Sophia Khan where it's sort of building up to this launch, which is sort of all consuming. And yeah, actually, it's just funny. <laughs> it's really not a big deal. Um, but yeah, just those, yeah. those sort of brilliant touches I just thought were so funny. Uh, well, I was kind of hoping that where there's this extraordinary character called um, Dorothy Bramley or Brammers, right. I was kind of hoping that wasn't completely your experience, but <laughs> no. no, she is the most extraordinary character. I wonder if you just tell us a little bit about her. Um, well, she's Sophia's boss, um, and she's always, you know, she's um, she's a career woman. She's a mother. Um, and she's constantly juggling, juggling her home life and her career. Um, and so she's, no, she's, she's not based on anyone actually I may publish. I promise that's not a lie. Um, but, uh, she's, you know, she's, she's kind of representative of modern day working women and she's so focused, um, and almost tunnel visioned mm. in what her, um, aim is and what kind of destination she sees for herself that she doesn't, she doesn't always act in the most politically correct or sensitive ways. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably true of many many people, I think we can all be a little bit insensitive about people just because we've not had their experiences. And, you know, part of writing Sophia Khan, both books, it, they weren't like, a, they weren't an indictment of mm. people's, mm. Uh, the way people behave towards others who are slightly different or don't have the same kind of white middle class background. It's very much a kind of way of lightening what is quite um, a dark time I feel we live in um, and seeing the the funnier side but also the way you know hopefully opening people's eyes to um, to what they might be able to correct in themselves yeah. now and again now, yeah <laughs> I, I think that's it and it does that very well that it's it's not judgmental no, but it's I definitely not, yeah. no. I didn't. I didn't feel that when mm. I was reading it. I felt that you, as the reader, are very much left to to sort of draw your own conclusions yeah. about how appropriate or how funny or awkward the various situations are. Um, I think you know, it does that skewering very well. I'd written down here um, Bridget Jones comparison, a good thing? Uh, question mark. Because I think there are there are things about Bridget Jones that I really I really love, and there are also things that I think maybe um, like now you come back to them, particularly the early books, mm. perhaps seem a bit problematic. Yeah, there's, there's lots about weight and lots about yes. um, kind of so Sophia, things so, up. 
Sophia does focus a lot on her weight yes, as well. Yes, that's true. Um, and um, I think that uh, body image is something that you can't kind of escape from mm. nowadays. And mm. so maybe it was me being unimaginative. Perhaps it was. Um, but also... Um, I feel like, again, it stems from things that I've seen or mm, things that I've experienced. Yeah, and it was very much kind of, it was very, in many ways, it was very personal book to write mm. for that very reason. Um, but I do also hope that there's a, there's more kind of a feminist angle mm-hmm. to Sophia Khan in that her search isn't for love and marriage necessarily mm. but for a partner who is her equal mm. um and i think that's the that's the main i hope that's a, that, that it serves a fresher angle i don't think a, a real bridget jones nowadays would what would go down very well i just don't think it's relevant to our society mm. anymore no and i i thought actually that what you're saying really did apply to this where perhaps it doesn't so much to the early Bridget Jones that it, you know the second book is the other half of happiness mm. rather than marriage specifically yeah. or you know just searching for as many men as you can until you've you know it's it's about actually it's about happiness which could be on your own as much as with someone else or yeah. in your family or with your friends so exactly. and, yeah those those people are, are all there, I think, just as significantly as uh, some to fall in love with. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think most prominently with the second book, I think we are always kind of geared towards this idea of um, being in a s- stable relationship, whether that's in marriage or whether mm. whether that's not, you know, it doesn't, you know, a long-term relationship is a long-term relationship. But it's, uh, for Muslims particularly, I think it's this idea of if you're an observant, I, I, I find this quite interesting, if you're an observant Muslim, you don't really have a physical relationship with um, mm, someone yeah. you're dating. And that's, you know, that's an odd concept. It's very weird for people nowadays <laughs> to really relate to. Why would you do that to yourself? Because, mm. you know, because, because of your belief system. Mm. Um, and I think the other half of happiness is very much the kind of the dangers of impulsive love and falling into a long-term relationship with someone you don't actually know very well and also when you don't actually know yourself very well you know when we leave Sophia at the end she's very much chasing someone else's dream or kind of tagging along on someone else's dream she doesn't really have one of her own and I think the second book is about exploring that as well. You mentioned earlier that um, like so, and also her friends, uh, like uh, Foz and Suraj and Han, they're sort of empowered women, they're in charge of their lives, um, you know, they've got their careers or, you know, they've got their goals that they're working towards. And you mentioned just now that you thought um, some people would be quite surprised about, like, observant Muslims not really having a physical relationship before getting married. Mm. But, I mean, I wondered if people would be surprised about how empowered Soph and her friends are. I mean, I don't think they should be, mm. but, I mean, I just, I wondered if you thought they would be. I think, um, I think because, you know, when I first met my agent, she, the reason, you know, one of the reasons she said that she wanted to sign sign me and this book was because mm. she said, you know, a lot of people don't have Muslim friends. A lot of people don't even know a Muslim person. So 
For me, I wouldn't be surprised if they were surprised because I do think there's this kind of general image of Muslim women, especially observant Muslim women, mm. being quite oppressed and, and you know, to a large extent, you, you can't you can't blame people always for their ignorance. It's just what's mm. out there, you know. If there aren't books and TV programs and films teaching you otherwise, where do you get your information from? People can't be bothered to read anymore. No one reads. Like you know, people don't read. Mm. Um, non-fiction or really delve into things in detail anymore. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if people were surprised um, because I don't think there's a large amount of, there's a large amount of literature out there that normalises um, your everyday Muslim life. Mm. I feel like maybe there is starting to be more, but it's still, yeah. I mean, just looking around on a bookshelf yeah. and thinking of the range of names of the authors and how that relates to the people that I see around me every mm. day it's hugely skewed in one direction and there's a whole host of people that still I don't think get, get a good deal in terms of um, getting their stories told as well yeah I don't I don't want to say too much about the story because I feel like if I if I start talking about all the things that happen, it's, it's kind of one big spoiler, isn't it? The yeah. second book is just like a big fat spoiler for anyone who hasn't read the first book. So but, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk too much about them in the in the show notes. I'll make sure there are links so you can click through and you can uh, order yourself a copy. Um, but I think it would be nice if that's okay to talk a little bit about how you came to start writing and a bit about your process. Because um, I know <laughs> listeners, I'm, are... always, I'm always slightly taken aback when people ask me about my process because I'm like five years on. I mean, I've been writing for I feel like forever, mm. and even years later, I yeah. still have absolutely no idea what process a writing process <laughs> even really is. Grand, I and think. if there was one, I would really like to know about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's more just kind of a hodgepodge, has haphazard way of just kind of trying to get pen to paper, or in my case keyboard, finger to keyboard. Mm. I don't really have a process. I don't um, structure my... I had to structure my writing life for the second book because mm-hmm. I had a contract Yeah, and there was no room to bang around, unfortunately. Um, so I kind of had to get my arse in gear for that. But as for writing process, God, what is that? I don't know. I'd love to, I'd love to go to a seminar on that. I I, gen- I tend to now kind of make notes first. Mm. Um, for example, for my second book, I structured it somewhat more than I did the first book. The first book, I just dove in. I was like, I know I'm going to write a Muslim Bridget Jones, and I just dove right in. And that was awful for for <laughs> my writing because I changed the storyline several mm-hmm. times. And restructuring was an absolute nightmare. So with the second one, I, I structured it slightly and with the third book that I'm writing, which isn't a Sophia Khan book, I'm um, I'm doing research and making notes. And I mm-hmm. and I, um, one thing I've I've learned with my ghostwriting is um, doing chapter breakdowns mm. are very helpful. Um, knowing what you're going to put in each chapter in terms of scenes, um, and so that's yeah, I'm kind of finding my feet with that. I guess I was going to ask about. Sophia Khan being your debut, but I guess it's more accurate to say, I'm guessing, that it's your published debut. Mm, it's actually my debut. Right. Yeah, it's the first book I ever wrote. Wow. I did I have tried writing a few books beforehand. One namely, mm. which I really struggled with, 
or mm. it was meant to be my masterpiece. It was meant mm-hmm. to be amazing. It was meant to be on like man booker shortlist at least. Yeah. Um, and I realized actually I couldn't write a literary masterpiece. So I got 20,000 words in. And I think writing is a real kind of craft that you have to hone. And it, you know, I think you can spend your life honing it. Um, and with the first book that I tried writing, I couldn't get past the 20,000 word mark. And so the best advice I got from a colleague and friend was just give it up. Just as you would a book that you're not enjoying, just give it up, ditch it and start something new. And then that's when Sophia Khan came along. I decided to write what I know, um, write from, you know, certain experiences and other people's experiences. And, um, and it kind of, yeah, it, it sort of came together. So I was lucky. I was mm. lucky that it was, cause I know many authors have written several books before they've actually ended up getting mm. something published. But no, this was my first one. So it's the, the first one that sort of got properly finished in your eyes yes. and also the first one to get published. Which yes. Is fantastic. Yeah. You feel like you're, you're learning your craft as it, as mm. you go along. But I mean, have you discovered anything about yourself? you know, in your writing or since since being, I guess, like, quotes, a professional writer? Other than that I am extremely <laughs> lazy, no. Um, I can't get out of bed before 10 o'clock. That's something I've discovered now that I'm a full-time writer. Um, and I can't write after 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a nice narrow window of time. Yeah. Um, when you take... Office hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've... I hope I've become, I hope I've become a better writer. I hope I've become a lot more focused and, um, a, a lot more professional in terms of, um, how I, how I, um, approach writing. In terms of personal development, um, I guess what's interesting is when you're asked so many questions about, um, Muslim identity mm. and, you know, because these are things that the books deal with. Muslim identity, yeah. general identity, feminism, friendship, love, all that stuff, it's kind of forced me to really narrow down um, succinctly what my ideas actually are. I think sometimes you don't know your own thought process until you spill it out onto the page, so I think it's been a useful learning tool, actually, um, to learn about myself as a person. Being a bit of a fangirl for a moment, uh, what was it like working with Nadia? On her book. Oh yeah, no, it was um, it was really good. Um, so we've uh, so um, the first book was out in January, mm-hmm. um, and it was good fun um, mm. sitting around and brainstorming all these ideas and um, talking about different characters and plots and um, you know she has a she has a really great sense of humour, mm-hmm. quite dark, um, mm-hmm. and I like that. Um, so it was really good fun. It's again, it's been incredible for me in terms of. Um, becoming a lot more professional with how mm. I approach the whole writing thing. It's not about, I mean, with Nadia's book, it's not about inspiration anyway, because mm. they're her ideas and her characters and her storyline, and I'm just there to kind of implement those. But it's, yeah, it's been really good practice for me mm. as a writer, yeah. I wondered, I mean, we talked a bit about Bridget Jones, but if you felt you'd been inspired or influenced by anyone in particular in your writing? Um, I think a lot of the classics really inspired me. Um, all of Austen's books, um, her novellas as well. When I, you know, I think of Vanity Fair and um, Far From the Madding Crowd, and I feel like the classics, the, the trials and tribulations mm-hmm. of the heroines are quite, um, 
are, are kind of synonymous with the trials and tribulations of a modern Muslim mm. woman who's dating um, in uh, an observant manner, mm. um, as an observant Muslim rather. And, um, and so a lot of my inspiration has come from the classics, I think. But I mean, undoubtedly Helen Fielding was... Um, I loved Bridget Jones when I first read it, um, mm. and um, it's something that I've always loved. And, uh, you know, the comic genius of Nora Ephron, and so all these kind of funny female writers, yeah, they definitely, I'm, I'm definitely inspired by them. I think there are some things in, I, mean, I, I particularly love Jane Austen, where they, those kind of awful, awkward situations where people are trying to help and they just make things ten times worse, yeah. or and the, uh, you know, and the, the interfering the, relative. Yeah, and the absurd know. characters, yeah. and yeah, it's, um, it's yeah, def- definitely growing up reading um, the likes of Boston and and um, Little Women as well. Mm. Gosh, yeah, they're, they're all incredibly influential, I feel. So actually, the, you know, they're very kind of headstrong women who know know their own minds, they know what they want to but, achieve. Yeah, and, but they're also in this kind of social, they're in this social construct. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and they live in this certain framework, uh, which I feel is, is, you know, is is very close to how an observant Muslim women mm-hmm. live. I mean, but in this case, that social construct of the, is of their own choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important, um, the fact that these are choices that are made mm. by the characters in the books yeah. rather than and that, yeah, that's, that's a very central difference actually because I mean if you're thinking about I don't know Pride and Prejudice or something uh, or Sense of Sensibility the, the issues that they're facing are monetary are kind of monetary yeah. issues and you know they might be forced into having to make a, a certain decision or behave in a certain way mm. but it's something completely out of their control mm. but uh, but not in this case. No. So, although there is always that kind of subtle pressure, yes. or sometimes yes. not so subtle pressure. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, was there was there anyone else who who inspired you? Maybe not a writer, but you know, as as you were thinking about your your stories or that your your own choice to become yeah. a writer. I think the women in my life very much mm. kind of. Um, inspired me the characters are all fictitious but there are certainly elements of people I know in some of the characters and I think that um, yeah it would be right to say that the the female friendships and um, family in my life have been an incredible source of inspiration um, because they force you to kind of dig deeper and think about things and analyze why you are doing the things that you're doing so yeah I would I would say that's what I would say it's just making me think again of Sophia's mum, who I think is such a wonderful character. And she could be a sort of like Austin type mum who's just sort of saying, oh no, you should do this, you should do that. But there's, there's a lot of layers there. And as the books go on, you mm. kind of find out more and more about her, why she's made her choices. Mm. And that was something that I enjoyed so much about both books that although some of the characters are these kind of extraordinary larger-than-life people, um, actually, once you start peeling away and reading more, mm. there's there's a lot of depth in there and there's yeah. a lot of human interest. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. 
You mentioned that your next book is not a Sophia Khan book. No, uh, it's time to change tack. Okay. Yeah. C- can you tell us anything about it? Um, yeah, so the next book will be... Uh, I haven't even written it yet. I mean, I haven't even started writing it yet. Um, but it's going to be set in an English village. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to be about a Muslim couple stroke family, the only Muslims mm-hmm. in the village. And it's about a man who's, um, who is very English, considers mm-hmm. himself very English. He's quite removed from the Pakistani culture, from the Muslim culture mm-hmm. as well. He's not particularly observant. Um, and he has this kind of guilt complex about leaving his mum behind in Birmingham, who raised him as a single mother along with her sister. And um, he, uh, she, she is dying, and on her deathbed, um, she's afraid for his soul. She's very scared mm-hmm. about what will happen to him in the afterlife, mm-hmm. um, and what will happen to him in this life because he's so far removed from his culture and his religion. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't really, she doesn't feel like he really understands who he is, and so her parting um, bequest to him is to um, is to build a mosque in the village. Mm-hmm. And um, the story—that's the—that's the basis of mm-hmm. the stories. Um, yeah, that's the, the conceit of the story. And so then, then of course comes the drama of him trying to build a mosque in the village in order to kind of alleviate, redeem himself from the mm-hmm. guilt that he feels, um, and all the problems that would come along with trying to build a mosque <laughs> in a quaint English village. Um, yeah. That sounds really lovely. I'm excited to, to read that. I can't wait to, I can't wait to write it. <laughs> whenever that might be. Yeah. It sounds like it has a lot of heart and a, and a lot of comic potential as I well. I hope so, yeah. It sounds like we've got a little while to wait for that. Yes. So, um, in the meantime, as I've read both your current books, is there anything that you would recommend to me? To oh, to um, read? to read. Um, I always get stuck when people ask for recommendations because I my brain goes blank. What have I read recently that I absolutely loved and adored? Oh, um, so there's a new book coming out, Living the Dream, um, published by Virago, but that's not out yet. Um, that's about modern day women working nine to five in office mm-hmm. environments, but trying to also chase their dreams mm-hmm. of anything other than yeah. office work. And I've, it was incredibly funny. I'm not sure when it's out. I don't think it's... Um, I think it's out in a few months. Incredibly funny and well-written. But anything that has been published, I recently read in The Casual Vacancy. Oh, uh, yeah. Have you read that yet? I have not, actually. It's, I uh, have it a is, copy at home. It's wonderful. You know, J.Q. Yeah. Rowling, what she does yeah. best is she just knows human beings mm-hmm. so well. She knows what makes them tick. It's a really... I mean, I, I did it partly as research for my own book and now I'm going to make sure that nothing kind of overlaps (laughs) you know but um, it was it's a it's a brilliant book I absolutely loved it and I also read um, Big Little Lies oh yeah fantastic yeah the television programs out at the moment which is actually a really good adaptation Mm. really good adaptation I um, I really enjoyed it Um, the book is fantastic and do you have a book in your bag at the moment. Are you I am reading, like yes, um, The Essex Serpent. Oh, yes. Wow, very good. So I'm only, I'm only, um, how many pages in? Like, oh, I don't know. They're the hell of page numbers. 
I'm like 70 pages in. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, yeah. So another recommendation for the Essex Circuit. That's uh, like Bob's favourite book of last year. Oh, really? So be yeah. Very pleased to hear that you're reading it. Um, funnily enough, some bits are actually set around our hometown in Colchester, so that I think oh. it mentions uh, the Red yes. Lion at one point. Oh. oh, that's always yeah, nice. Really I, I didn't realise, and then um, Bob told me that it was, you know, some bits literally in our hometown. Oh, that's very funny. Um, there we go. Okay, well, thank you so much for chatting to me, Aisha. That was really, really interesting. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Not at all. So, podcast listeners, um, as I said, there'll be links if you want to um, click through and get yourself a copy of Sophia Khan is Not Obliged or The Other Half for Happiness. And I'll put all the other relevant details and so on in the show notes. But again, thank you very much, Aisha. Thank you, Kate. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>